You're listening to the Birth Matters Podcast, Episode 79. Trust that you know what you're doing and kind of have a sense of what kind of person you want the child to grow up to be. And you can start steering things toward making the child kind of look at that as an ideal. You can do that from the jump, from the very beginning, you know, even before they understand their own personhood. You can kind of say, I want them to be a a kind and generous person. Well, okay. Mm then you can just set yourself a prime directive to use the Star Trek term. <laughs> Ours has always been to be kind and stay curious. Is, you know, that's what we oh, want the child this. to be. So we're just like, okay, that's fine. And so we're just leaning everything on that. And whenever we're stuck as to what to do, that's kind of a nice North Star to follow. And to have something like that, regardless of what it is, it really makes things a lot easier. And then after that, just trust that you know what you're doing. The more you trust yourself, the better off you're going to be. I think that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the Birth Matters Show. I'm your host, Lisa Graves-Taylor, founder of Birth Matters NYC, childbirth education and labor support. This show is here to lessen your overwhelm on the journey into parenthood by equipping and encouraging you with current best evidence info and soulful interviews with parents and birth pros. Please keep in mind the information on this show is not intended as medical advice or to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Have you subscribed to the show yet? Please be sure to do that wherever you're listening to this or over at birthmattersshow.com so you don't miss out on anything. Before I tell you about today's birth story, I want to mention that this month is Cesarean Awareness Month and this week is Black Maternal Health Week. So the next two weeks, we'll be sharing positive cesarean, or I like to call them belly birth stories. And next week and two weeks after that, we'll be sharing two birth stories shared by birthing folks who identify as black. Stay tuned to the end of today's episode to hear a teaser for next week's beautiful black belly birth story with Amber. And you can listen to even more teasers of those upcoming episodes, as well as see photos of the parents if you follow us on social at Birth Matters NYC. Today, Joanna and Tony share their son Felix's birth story. They were due after the COVID shutdown in New York City, but fortuitously gave birth just shy of 37 weeks shortly before the shutdown. They show up to a prenatal visit almost six centimeters dilated, technically called active labor, yet not even feeling any labor sensations. Their doctor tells them they need to go straight to the hospital, where they spend many hours in the waiting room and triage, but then proceed to have an unmedicated labor and birth. Joanna and Tony are the only couple thus far to take Birth Matters class, give birth before graduating, and return to class with their newborn in tow to share the birth story with their own cohort. Before we jump into today's story, a brief word from our sponsor. Do you have your free Pack for Your Best Birth list yet? This is a great way to start some practical preparation for the big day and really start envisioning your ideal birth. All you have to do is go to birthmattersonline.com slash pack to grab it. You'll also have the opportunity to take a free online mini course that will help you more thoroughly prep for a positively transformative birth. Again, that's birthmattersonline.com slash pack. Now let's jump in. Joanna and Tony, welcome. Hello. Hi. So good to see you again. Yeah. You both hold such a special place in my heart because 
you have a very exciting story to share that was right before the shutdown. Do you want to introduce yourselves first a little bit? Just give us a sense of how long you've been parents and just the basics. Sure. Sure. I'm Joanna. So as you will hear, I gave birth February, end of February, 2020 to our first baby, our son, Felix. And I'm a writer. I work from home. We live in Astoria, which is how we found Lisa's wonderful birth class. And yeah, we've basically been here. We've gotten to know the neighborhood right around our front door really, really well over the last year. (laughs) Yep. And I'm Tony. I work from home as well. I'm a professional quiz host. I run a trivia company. And uh, so instead of doing a lot of work in bars since the shutdown, I've been doing streaming quizzes. And so it's been good that I've, I've gotten to be home as well. And so this has been a two studio, two workplace household for the last year in, in the 13 months since Felix was born. So yeah, we're here. <laughs> nice. Well, so let's back up. And would you please share a little bit about how your pregnancy went? Were there any developments to note along those months of pregnancy, as well as what were the different ways that you prepared for the journey into parenthood? Sure. So I think the the most significant pre-pregnancy experience that we had was that I had a miscarriage almost exactly a year before I got pregnant with Felix. I'm 41 now, (laughs) but we knew that we wanted to have a child, but I also was pretty sure I didn't want to have too many interventions. Our approach was if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, we'll see how we feel, but we... So I I was able to get pregnant that first time and went to the OB, my current OB. And she said, she said, it doesn't look like it's a real, it hadn't taken, essentially. It wasn't, the egg wasn't fertilized. It was an empty sack, I think they they call it or something like that. And so something was showing up. And in a way, because it was very clinically explained, I never really felt the loss because I never really felt the experience of you know, it all still felt very strange and not really real. And it never really became real because right from the beginning, she's like, yeah, this is not. Yeah. Don't, this don't, is not don't, real, don't put any weight this on not this. A thing. Yeah. And so I just took the, you know, the one <laughs> it begins with M anyway, she gave me the pills. I took them home and took, and that was difficult. And that was, that was the summer of uh, 2019, I guess. 2018? 2018. 2018. That's right. Yes, of course, summer of 2018. And then weirdly, I, when I went, when I got pregnant again, it was almost exactly a year. I think I went back and I looked at the dates of the appointments and it was really, really close. It was almost exactly a year. And I went back and she's like, oh yeah, right. Okay. This time it's real. <laughs> so it was like, okay, here goes. And yeah. my OB is very no nonsense and very, very brisk. And so she just sort of sat me down, ran me through what to eat, not eat, avoid. She was great. Do. But her main takeaway, which I really took to heart was live your life. I can remember her saying that. She's like, okay, you're pregnant, live your life. She was very kind of, when you go out, you don't have to really change what you're doing. She said, make sure you carry a snack and some water <laughs> wherever you go, but you're not ill. You are perfectly fine. Cut back on the wine, but everything else is pretty much fair. I think that that very no-nonsense approach was very helpful. And I was also very lucky. I didn't have any nausea really at all. I apologize everyone out there who is listening to this and throwing things at the... No, I was very lucky. And that was actually something that the first time with the miscarriage that I had been concerned about, because one of the things that people say is that if you're sick, it's, I think this is just a comfort, but it's a really good sign that you're really super sick because you know it's 
it's real and it's really happening. Mm-hmm. My mother told me that the same thing happened to her, that she just never got sick. And so I think it's, that's how I'm built, I suppose. So a nice blessing. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was a good thing. Although it didn't mean that the whole thing was so unreal. I had to keep reminding myself, no, wait, I can't have a cocktail. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, wait, this is actually happening. I had to sort of remember yeah. you know, that first trimester. Like, why is it so hard to sleep on my stomach? Oh, wait. <laughs> Like literally there, there were, there well, were times where like, you would forget yeah. you, you were just like, yeah, we had to keep thinking, Oh wait. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Pregnant. Yes. <laughs> That's a thing. Oh wait, is that a thing I can do? Should I eat that? You know, you sort but of, yeah, it really didn't it. affect the flow of our lives barely at all. In the beginning, at least. At the, at the be- in um, the beginning, yeah. And then, yeah, I got to Christmas and we went home to London to see my family and I sort of you know, saw the extended family and, and, and that was really nice and that's <laughs> the last time I've seen most of them. And, and so, yeah, everything was fine. And then after, after we came back in January, it was definitely a lot harder to move around and do things. Well, and you was, were in the third trimester at that point. Yeah, so, yeah. And I hadn't, I didn't gain that much weight, which was something that my, my OB was slightly concerned about and I had low iron I'm trying to think of the things that were not that 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 was my main issue I didn't like most of the tests and everything were were fine but it was the iron was something I had to supplement with I had to go and buy these horrible supplements when I was in London and that was my only real intervention I had to make but in the way the timing worked out quite nicely so my due date was March 22nd and we'd always sort of mentally said, well, after Christmas, after the new year, like that's when we start kind of taking this really seriously. Yeah. And that's when we start getting the nursery in order, which is a corner of our bedroom and figuring out. But we sort of were able to put a lot of things off. So we started the birth classes, I think at the end of January or the beginning of February. Yeah. So that was when we sort of started taking it seriously. I did prenatal yoga. I'm very glad that I was able to do that. I did that at an Astoria studio, the yoga room, which had a wonderful practitioner who was just very warm. And I didn't really expect it. I've done yoga anyway, so I'm pretty familiar with it. So I thought it would be more for exercise, but actually it was a really lovely opportunity to meet people who were also pregnant at the same time and to hear their different experiences. And so sort of you'd hear like how far along someone was and what they were having to deal with physically. And you got to see, I think what was really nice for me was seeing, you just aren't often in a room with 15 or 20 other pregnant women. And so it was a really extraordinary thing to sort of look around and see like different body types, different, just how differently people carried themselves and carried their babies and and how there would be somebody who was say, who was there at 35 weeks, who was smaller than somebody who was there at 25 weeks. And you just got to see a sense of just, oh, this is so unique to everyone. And that I think Apart from your class, that was the only other prenatal kind of experience I had. Apart from one of my closest friends, coincidentally, who lived in New York, and she was also pregnant at the same time, and our babies were due a few weeks apart. As it turns out, they were born a week apart, but they were due about five weeks apart. <laughs> and oh my goodness. So it, it was, and, and it was her second baby, and so she was really able to give me a lot of pointers, and, and she had a much harder pregnancy than me so I also had a sense of perspective and sort of feeling like you know what was normal what wasn't and so yeah, before you go on I, <laughs> yes. I just want to mention uh mm. since you brought up pre- the prenatal yoga that this teacher has come up several times on the podcast because she's amazing she's a friend mm. of mine her name is Juliana Mitchell everybody Juliana, I was gonna say, I'm like a, yes 
Yeah. And so if anyone would like to seek out prenatal yoga classes or regular yoga classes as well, her website is livingnowyoga.com. I'll be sure to link to it in the show notes. You can find out for now at the time we're recording it, this, this it's April. So things are still virtual. So she teaches virtual, I think currently by donation classes. Mm -hmm. And as the world starts opening up, I'm sure her website will post which studios she's teaching and hopefully still in Astoria, but we'll see. I know she also used to teach in Manhattan before the shutdown. So we'll see. There's going to be a little bit of a redistribution probably of where people are teaching as things open up and don't open up. But yeah, just wanted to mention her by name for folks can find her. She was, she she definitely, she she helped you a lot. Yeah. Yeah. She was super helpful. Yeah. She would always make time for people to ask questions Mm -hmm. after class. And I think I was asking, because I was having problems late on in the pregnancy. The thing that really was tough for me was having I had a lot of gas and constipation pain that as it turns out might have been contractions, <laughs> real Perhaps, contractions. Yes. <laughs> um, but I didn't know that at the time so mm-hmm. I think it was but it, she gave me pointers for sort of easing some of that and just kind of as I got deeper into the pregnancy she was helpful with and people had questions about birth she was so generous with her time so I would, mm-hmm. I would definitely second that mm-hmm. nice Absolutely. Well, so anything else you wanted to share about pregnancy or preparing for parenthood before we launch uh, into your birth story? I mean, no, I don't think so. We, we made did. a lot of lists. We made a lot of lists. That, disregarded that, them. <laughs> yeah, we made a lot of lists. The making of the lists was a good mm. exercise. And had things kind of moved on and, and you delivered closer to the due date, they probably would have come in a lot more useful. So I would recommend making those lists, even if you don't use them, because yeah. then you've at least got it clear in your head. Getting it out of your head and onto page or onto a, a document is a good practice. And it, it makes you feel like, okay, yeah, maybe we're not missing anything large. And it turned out that we kind of weren't, but no. it was, yeah, it, it just the way things turned out, it was like, okay, well, we're just going to have to improvise a lot of this. <laughs> and, and, it, and you can do a lot more. You can manage quite well with improvising, as yeah. it turns out. You know, <laughs> as a species, we've been doing this for hundreds of millions yes. of years. Although, as ROB pointed out, she's like, yes, yes, people used to give birth in fields, but they also died. But we were lucky because Tony was, his job's very flexible. So he was able to come to all of my appointments. And I give birth at Mount Sinai West in Manhattan. So we were in the Mount Sinai system. So we had the ultrasounds there as well. Yeah, everything, yeah, we everything of, was on the west side of Midtown. Yeah, but we made a point as much as we could of like, we would go to the appointment and then we would go and get lunch or something afterwards and sit down and make some lists and make some just kind of compare notes. And I remember those days really well. And like, there's a branch of Shake Shack right around the corner from my OB. So we yeah. would always go to the OB and then go around the corner to Shake Shack and there would be three pregnant women in line. <laughs> yeah. Clearly this was not, we were not yeah. the only ones who did this. And I recommend making the time to have, if you can time it so you have a little bit of time to debrief. It's also yeah. helpful to just go over. A bit of ritual is also, you know, there's, those appointments are always rushed and quick and there's a lot of information and a lot that you need to process. So we would be like, okay, what do we, what do we, need what do we to, learn? What's our what takeaway here? Yeah. yeah. So that was helpful. That's where we were at going into day zero. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As it turned out. And remind me, I believe you made it through two thirds of the class series with me before baby yes. made an early debut. Uh, yes. Yes. I guess. I think you made it through yeah, the yeah, first I, two I weeks, right. which was class one, two, then three, four. Yeah. And I think then you had the baby before classes five and six, which is all the afterbirth. Right. Topics. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. So yes, we had an appointment, a regular appointment, and it was with my OB. So at the practice at Westside Medical Associates, there's about five or six 
doctors in the practice and I had rotated through seeing all of the other doctors so that if one of them was on call when I gave birth, they would I would know know them. So I hadn't seen my regular OB, Dr. Khan, for over a month. At that point, I was having the weekly appointments. And so I went back in to see her and everything was fine. And this was, I was 37 and a half weeks at this point. So 36 and a half weeks, sorry, 36 and a half weeks. And we were making plans about the due date. And she said, I want to schedule you to come in because they no longer like people going past 40 weeks. And she said, they're actually, we were talking about scheduling and she said, they're actually talking about revising your due date down a bit so that instead of giving you 40 weeks, they calculate to 39 weeks because a lot of people, especially I was geriatric as, as being 40. So it was lovely uh, term, right? Lovely term. Isn't it though? Delightful Thank term. you so much. Um, <laughs> yes, that was, that was a yes. good mood booster That's right. all the way through. Geezers, us. Here yeah, we go. But knowing, but so that I'm higher risk. So I sort of said, can't we just leave it? Because I was hoping not to be induced. And she said, no, I'm going to induce you on the due date if, if, if it, it doesn't come. If it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So we just, just got done making all these arrangements. And she was like, this is when I'm on call. So we can, we can book it so that I'll be there to deliver. And then she looked at the chart and she said, when did you last have a vaginal exam? And I said, uh, well, none of the other doctors have given me one. So she's like, oh, it's been like a month since you had a vaginal check. So she put the glove on yeah. <laughs> so it gave me the exam and it was like super informal and uh, yeah. it's just kind of at the end of the appointment she's like this is fine let's just make sure and then she and, came, and her eyes got big and she's like wait how far along are you and we <laughs> did the math again and she was just like wait you're six centimeters dilated <laughs> and she was kind of like change of plan how long have you been walking around like she i mean obviously i didn't know i had no idea and she's like you've been walking around no you can't go home <laughs> yeah and I could sort of see the wheels turning and she went out and talked to someone and we were just like, what, um, what does this mean? She didn't really officially say like, you can't go home now. You're in, you're in labor now. Yeah. She just, she was like, hold on. Yeah. And she walked out of the room and we were just kind of staring at each other for what felt like an hour. Yeah. It was probably five minutes, but it was just, yeah. is this it? What do we do? Yeah. And I'm, and I, I'm starting to think like, okay, if I have to go home and get like, throw some stuff in a backpack, we have the list. Yeah, just, yeah. I'm just we like, like okay, I'm thinking in my list? head, if I have 10 minutes in the house to go and just throw stuff into a backpack, <laughs> I got to go there. I got to go there in the house. I got to go there in the house. I got to go there in the house. Yeah. We hadn't yet packed a hospital bag. Because like it's that. three weeks out. Why yeah. would we do that? Yeah. And yet. Yeah. Three and a half. Three and a half weeks. So <laughs> she came back in the room and basically said, get in a cab. You're going downtown to the hospital, which is about 20 blocks south. Um, Do you remember if they did monitoring to see if you were having regular contractions? So I had had the previous appointment. I'd had the monitoring. I was strapped up to the machine that monitors the baby's heartbeat, I think. Probably for a non-stress test, maybe. Yes, the stress yeah. test. Mm-hmm. That's right. That was the most recent appointment. And, and it seemed to be fine. fine. Like, yeah, like, it was like perfectly everything normal. had been very... Normal, and I still wasn't having. I had had this pain that I had thought was either Braxton Hicks contractions or the regular sort of gas. It was really pain. I mean, it was really a stabbing pain, but I could ease it by moving. So I still don't know really exactly what that pain was, but it certainly wasn't bad enough to prompt me to call the doctor. I probably should have. We just thought it was gas. We thought it was gas. And actually, in a way, I'm very glad I didn't because I feel like if I had gone in any earlier and I had been dilated or this 
conversation had happened a week or two earlier, then the baby would have gone into the NICU and probably it would have been a much more dramatic Mm -hmm. scenario. So I was very lucky. I feel like I'll say that a lot and I feel very lucky, but the timing actually meant that nothing too severe. He was three and a half days off 37 weeks. Mm -hmm. So off being technically full term. So even though he was three and a half weeks early, he was actually really only three days early in terms of what actually mattered Mm -hmm. developmentally. Yeah. He'd almost like yeah. he'd almost fully cooked in there. He was almost yeah. completely done. But we yeah. didn't really know that at the time. This was February 26th and my due date was the 22nd of March. I'm a month early in my head. This is not good. We don't know how big is he. We don't even know. But they, they had tried to measure him. But obviously those measurements are pretty. Yeah, there's a bit of guesswork involved. Yeah, yeah. they're not terribly precise. So, so we went to the hospital, but she was kind of like, they're going to check you out, see what's happening. At this point, we thought what was going to happen was we would probably go to the hospital and then I wasn't feeling any contractions. So I was like, this is probably fine. They'll just send us home and we'll have a nice good night's sleep in our bed and then we'll come back in the morning and maybe have the baby. But at that point, we were sort of fairly convinced we would have some time. So we went down to the hospital. We went and got a sandwich first and then... We went in and we'd done the hospital tour like a week before, which was really good, I think. So we knew the lay of the land and we knew how to get we, in yeah. and get out. We and knew so where we, to go and what to do and how to, to get go. there. And- so that was helpful. And then we basically sat in the waiting room for a really long time. People yeah. were coming in. It was really crowded. It was crowded. Um, and it, that was a little stressful. Yeah. We were fine, but stressful things were happening all around us. Yeah. There were a lot of people who clearly agitated in pain yeah. and, and trying to figure out what was happening. It seemed to be like... Like they were slammed, but this was sort of a Wednesday afternoon and apparently it's kind of normal. That was They were just always busy. Yeah. About a, a week later when the shutdown happened and everybody left town and yeah. it became a ghost town. <laughs> Very different story, but yeah. in your timing, yes, crowded. Yes. So this is still, yes, yeah, this is the end of February. We were reading, we were on our phones kind of reading news articles about Italy's shutdown, which had just started, I think. And I was like, God, this is really bad this china thing is now in italy like oh my god like yeah. what's happening my obviously my family's in europe it was definitely this thing that was out there on the horizon but nobody's in masks everybody's just hanging out hanging out well i guess the doctors were in masks yeah like it, you know it was a hospital environment <laughs> but, like, but no one in that. the waiting room is in a mask or anything so yeah we we just waited and then eventually we got moved into a triage room and that's when it became clear that things were sort of starting to happen like that's where they hooked me up to a, a monitor to measure the contractions and that was when you sort of learned to look at the output the kind of and we're remembering what we'd learned from you about the way that it peaked and, and how you learn to look yeah. look for the peak and the yeah. dip and and the distance between them and all of that. Yeah. It's funny, I don't really remember. I remember talking to uh, the OB that was on duty was somebody that we had actually talked to already. Yes, a really wonderful yeah, doctor. Yeah, Dr. Brown, she was wonderful. Yeah, she was fantastic. Um, she was great. And and I remember talking with her. She came in and, and after about an hour, I was like, can I go out and get some food for us? And she's like, you might want to do that. And I said, is there any chance that we're going to be able to go home and pack a bag or something? And she was just like, "Mm -mm, nope, (laughs) nope. She is not leaving here without a baby. 
So yeah. As and it was like, all right, fine. Yeah. So, yeah, so I went, I went down to Whole Foods and dropped 60 bucks on snacks. Yeah. And, and, and then I, I went to Jackrabbit Sports. Oh, that's right. The running yes, store. This was a great And idea. picked up a box of running gels. We run a little bit. Oh, good. And that was great because I just kept mm. feeding them to her during this entire process. They, they were a great little energy boost. Yeah. yeah. They're built for like long distance runners. Right. We take them. They don't know, usually sell them by the box, but Tony had got in and was like, can I have, can I take the whole box? And they were like, why? And I'm like, my sure. wife's in labor. She's, she's run a couple of marathons. She knows how these work. Yeah. She just needs it. And they were like, that's a great idea. And I'm like, just give me the damn box. I got to go. Yeah. Just be sure that whatever type you get ideally should not have caffeine. But yes. all the other stuff. Yeah, but there's, awesome. Yeah. yeah make them with or without. There's a thousand yeah. different styles of them. And it's the ones that have caffeine are very clearly marked with caffeine. Yes. Yes. So yes. yeah, just don't get those. Right. Yeah. 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 I didn't fun. get those. Um, but no, so so this was all still going on. I was still in the triage room watching the monitor. But the main concern they gave me is the lung development that they were concerned about because the lung development is the last thing that happened. So they gave me some kind of steroid that was, it was supposed to sort of speed up the, if, if anything was sort of still coming together, this would speed it up. This is my very, again, non-medical understanding. There was that. And they also gave me the test or oh, the test that I had gone in to have at the OB before they realized that I was dilated was the swab to test if there's antibody if there's any kind of they need to give you antibiotics I think for GBS uh huh strap mm-hmm. yes so that was the test the, but the results hadn't had time to come back right so, yeah that test that test is usually done between 36 and 38 weeks so you were right in that window right yeah so they had done the test um so mm-hmm. they gave me the antibiotics anyway just as a precaution so mm-hmm. those were the two things that I was I, so I was on a couple of drips and they were and that was honestly the most inconvenient part I really didn't like having the, the wires in me but otherwise it was just it was just long and tedious and uncomfortable and I could hear people there was a woman across the hall who was much I think further on, further on than having a hard time, was having a hard time, who was really vocalizing a great deal. And there was like one, there's only one bathroom or sort of toilet that the waiting room shared. So it didn't, so all of that kind of stuff was really unpleasant. And when we finally got out of the triage room into the birthing room, that felt really good. That was about 10 PM or something by then. Was it about 10 PM? I vaguely remember that. Like we had been there. We've been there for since lunchtime for seven or eight hours at that point. And it was just, and it was really just a question of waiting until there was a space. So once there was a space, they moved me upstairs to this birthing room. So we didn't have, we had a inflatable ball that we had planned to use, the, the plastic, um, yeah. the rubber birthing ball. We didn't have a chance. So we didn't there have was, a chance there to was, get anything. There was no chance of that happening. But So I didn't have anything. We were at the mercy of what they had. Yeah. So. Didn't have any kind of calming music or anything else. Just had you. Yeah. But thankfully... I- I did have you. Yeah, I got, I got to be there, which was really nice. And yeah, and, and things kind of at that point moved. At this point, I can't really remember clearly how I felt. I remember fixating on the on the peaks and the troughs, like going up yeah. and down on the and following that little Yeah, the rest, of the, the rest of the time felt like it was just one long breathing exercise. Yeah. You know, from once when we got into the birthing room for whatever it was, the last four or five hours of your yeah. labor, it just felt like this is just, we're tracking your breathing exercises mm-hmm. and we were timing it. We kind of made a little game of how long it was between them and, and just yeah. like tracking them that way. It was a way to pass the time. We were talking about mm-hmm. stuff, but it was just, it felt like small talk in between. We were able yeah. to have like 15 seconds of small talk and then a wave of a wave would yeah. happen and be like, okay, well, that's fine. Okay, fine. Good, good, good. We can keep going. And I think, I think I would say I, it came on very, very gradually. And I think that was the part that I 
looking back, I sort of when people have these things about like however how many hours was your labor? I kind of don't really know because I don't know when I would start it from. Yeah, because you did a great job at ignoring, like yes. we talked about in class, <laughs> ignored it as long as possible. I you totally did that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No. We, yeah. It was like when we went and had this sandwich outside the hospital. I was like. I'm not really feeling anything. Like, I know I'm supposed to go straight there, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. really you have to go straight there. And then I was sitting in the waiting room for probably an hour or two before I went into the triage room. And then the triage room, I really do remember is just like, yeah, now that... I'm bored and tired. And I was standing up a lot. I didn't really sit down or lie down much. And I was moving around. And then when we got into oh, my water breaking, that was fun. When I went into the room, the birthing room, I, I think that I had- That happened fairly late. It did happen quite late. And I actually, the doctor, Dr. Brown, because she would come in and out, obviously she wasn't there the whole time. And she- she would come in and sort of check and see how it was going. And at one point she said, like, I think we need to move this along. I'm going to try breaking bring your water. water. Yeah. Did she end up? Yeah, actually- she did. She took the little tool and, and yeah. like punctured the sack. So I had an enormous amount of amniotic fluid, really drenched everything. Yeah. Like there was like water. We like were, everybody had said, we, but late on in the pregnancy is probably not going to be very much. You might not even notice. No, we were ankle deep. Like oh. the bed was soaked. Like I really just did not expect that. Okay. And I was kind of like in my unmedical brain. I was like, well, maybe that's why I wasn't feeling things because it was. You had more of a cushion. I had a yeah. pretty good cushion. Yeah, and I think yeah, that was fair. Cool. It's like running in, in a swimming pool versus running on land. It's like there's. <laughs> It's very low impact. He, whatever he's doing yeah. in there is just, he's yeah. punching water. He's just yeah. punching water. <laughs> yeah. Once that happened and you lost a lot of that fluid, did it change how you were perceiving the strength of the contraction? I think so, but I'm not sure how much of that was sort of just psychological in the sort of like, now it's really happening. Yeah. We've um, made, we're, we're into the final turn here. I mean, again, looking back, I think that was it, but I didn't, I didn't have any pain relief then or earlier. There was no time. I mean, the thing is there would have been time, yeah. but I wanted to try to avoid it because I, just wanted to try to avoid it I sort of thought I would see and it it, it never got to a point because it was so gradual there was never a point where I was like okay this is now unbearable and really the point at which it got to the point where I was like okay this is now unbearable that was when I was pushing and do you mind my asking how long you were approximately if you have a sense of this how long were you in the waiting room how long were you in triage before you got admitted into your room where you'd give birth? It was a couple of hours in the waiting room. Yeah. Before you got into triage. And then you got into triage and you were in triage for... About six hours. About six hours, yeah. Oof. About six hours. Really- and that's usually it was just a, a long pretty cramped space, long wait. right? Yeah. Yeah. It was smaller, yeah. It, I don't remember it being... It was smaller. It, it, it was definitely it smaller. It didn't feel super cramped. It was just... I think it was partly just that uncomfortable sense of like, this is a transitional space. Yes. And we it's weren't not, able to kind of like plunk our stuff down and be like, yeah. okay, here's where we are. Yeah. yeah, and that's a really long time to be yeah, in that Yeah, it was space. a really long time. Yeah, so I think it was probably from about 3.34 o'clock... Through to about 10. Through to about 10 before we got PM, out. Yeah. The room opened up. And then he was born at like 3.30 in the morning. 3.30 in the morning. So it was another few hours. The sense but, of but time. Yeah, the birth room was more comfortable. It yes, definitely was. The yes, bed was more comfortable. Definitely. There was a space for me to sit and, yeah. and, and a space for like us to kind of. Yeah, like, that was the thing is you didn't really sit down. It was a long time, but it was such a strangely gradual process that I think I didn't really have a sense of 
Yeah. And we, we had plenty of stuff to focus on too, partly because of your classes and partly because of the stuff mm-hmm. we talked about. We kind of had a sense of like, okay, here's a thing we can focus on yeah. while this is happening. And we were able to kind of maintain that for even a few hours at a time yeah. in the middle of all this, which I think really helped because if we had had nothing to focus on where we're just like, we're speculating and we have no idea, that would have been a lot more stressful for us yeah. to say, okay, like, yes, we're following your peaks. Here's yeah. how you interpret the waves of what's happening to you. And we can kind of interpret it even just armchair side to be able to like interpret this stuff was really helpful even just as a parlor game like okay we, we can make a game out of it but no tony was fantastic we didn't use a, a doula or have anyone else in the room with us and a lot of the time it was just the two of us which was nice there were a couple of things that really had helped from your class and the one that i had mentally absorbed was the difference between pain and intensity and the framing it as intensity and that definitely helped me to think about this as the waves coming on but not in terms of pain because i stood up i was on my feet pretty much the whole time. I think. Yeah, up until I was doing, up until the very end, you you, you stood up as, as much as you could. And I was doing a lot of moving around. I was doing a lot of stretching and like weird. I, like, Dancing. I, like Martha Graham. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was very instinctive. Like I was not really thinking about how to move. I was just moving and you were there to, I would sort of hold on to you and yeah. kind of squat down or, and actually to the, to the extent that I didn't realize when they finally put me in the bed to push I didn't really want to sit down but I was like okay this is fine fine. but when I actually did sit down and lie down in the bed I was like oh my god I'm exhausted I hadn't thought about tiredness but like my lower back (laughs) was screaming because I just I had been on my feet for hours Mm -hmm. and it was that sensation of relief that you get after sitting down just in normal circumstances like oh right Oh, I'm exhausted. Three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. I've been up since like whatever, whatever, and I've been I I've been standing or moving for most of that time. Then I had to push, and that was probably the worst part. They brought in gas and air. What what do they call it here? The nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide. Yeah, and I well, they offered it to me, and I said sure. At that point, I was like. whatever whatever i'm sure i'll try it if it'll help and they brought it in and i had to sign a release which i remember just being like really (laughs) (laughs) okay and so i tried to like sign and i managed to sign this release and then and then we just never used it it. then then i think dr brown was like no no it's it's happening just it's happening don't don't worry about it let's up in the stirrup hunker down let's do it that's interesting Um, i don't think i've heard of it being offered in the pushing stage so that's interesting to hear maybe it was shortly before it was shortly before it was before that maybe it was before it was before that like it was it was just maybe to kind transition. of help get you, yeah, it was yeah. to help get you to that stage because they weren't just, sure how long it was, was going to take. Maybe it was mm. just after they broke my water. Yeah, it might have been and then there. you signed. I remember that whole thing. And then yeah. just in case we have to help you along to the next bit. Yeah, and then you signed mm-hmm. it, and literally within five minutes, like while they were still yeah. like setting everything up. Yeah, Doctor Brown was like, "Yeah, you know what? We're there. We've made <laughs> never it. mind. Never mind. It's not needed. <laughs> okay. We don't need it. Forget yeah. it." So yeah, I never had any, I mean, which was good. I was very proud of myself yes. not having any pain relief, which I know is a weird it's not, macho yeah, my- thing, <laughs> but it did actually help me. I think I definitely wouldn't suggest there's nothing weak about having pain relief, but it, it <coughs> did make me feel strong. Like I felt very, well, I can do this. I got this far. I got to this point. And in a way, I'm glad that I didn't have the, the nitrous at the end because I was like, okay, no, I'm, I'm there. I've, I've done it. And now I've just got to, the last part and see it through. And the hardest part about pushing that I remember was that I couldn't figure out the breathing. We had a nurse who we did not like, who was very kind of aggressive 
about that, I, I mean, our doctor was a wonderful sort of calming, she's yeah. a very calm, authoritative person, which is exactly what you need. But this nurse was a lot more sort of anxious and she was kind of counting in this slightly yeah. like really kind of yelling. And I felt- Directed pushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just, I couldn't work out. She's like, breathe. And I couldn't, I actually uh, yeah. stopped, the, stopped them at one point And I said to the doctor, I don't understand how I'm supposed to be breathing because I hadn't practiced this or anything. And she actually, and she took me- and the, Yeah. You know, and the doctor said did, like, focus on me. Yeah. Don't focus on her. <laughs> focus on me. Like, just, just ignore this. And so I tried to do that and follow her. But it was a weird thing to coordinate the sense of the pushing and the breathing were difficult to coordinate, I found. And it was more like just like my brain was trying to override my body or trying to yeah. understand it and it, getting confused. And you were like, how far along are we? I don't even know. I remember you. Yeah. I remember you oh, worry, that, worrying that about that. That was the thing. I, I asked thing. them to like when his, you said his head. I, I, I like I can see his, I can see the top of his head now, and you were like, what? I said, "Can I? What? Can I feel? Because I couldn't, I couldn't tell, and I kind of it, it didn't feel different from like other kinds of like, push, like yeah, <laughs> honestly. And so I was like, I don't kind of believe you, and I so I and so I, 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 I remember grabbing your hand. Yeah, and I remember grabbing your hand and being hand. like, like here, feel it. It's, yeah, that's his and then head. I touched his head. Then I was like, oh my god, that, that <laughs> yeah. was a real moment of. This is really real. And mm. and then I was terrified. And then I was like, but wait, I'm so tired. What if I can't? Like, they're like, push. And they kind of make it sound like there's an alternative. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, what happens if I don't? Like, <laughs> yeah. Because at one point his head like went back in a bit. That rebounding. Like, mm-hmm. That's yeah. Normal. And I was like, now what? Yeah. What what? It's normal, right? But we don't like yeah. it because yeah, it's like, wait, when you know you're supposed to be born. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, surely there's only one way this can go at this point. But it yeah. feels. What's he going to stop now and have a cup of coffee? No. Yeah. That's not how this works. <laughs> but there's like plenty of this work. And I think that was the time that I felt the most, this is me. There is literally no one else in the yep. universe who can do this but me. And all these people in the room are looking at me and I have to do it. And it feels like I'm going to rip in half, but I have to do it. And that was a real, I can remember that feeling of, I don't think I can. And I remember us using I marathon metaphors a lot at yeah. that point. It was and like you were definitely coaching me through it. Yeah. I probably told you to shut up at one point. <laughs> Actually, no, you never told me to shut really? up. Really? Which Aww. just in I her mean, head. <laughs> since, since, yeah. But like not not at the time. No, no, because you were very good. And and But no, like it was just like a, this is this is like you're at mile twenty-five. Yes, yeah, everything yeah, yeah. hurts, everything sucks, but you just stumble through the next mile and you're yeah. done. And that actually having run the marathon that was very yeah because you were like you're at central park you're coming in a central yeah. park and it was like mm. yes i am i've done this yes. i know how to do this mm. and and then yeah and then finally it happened and i could feel and i couldn't feel his head but when he the rest of him came out i really felt that i just yeah. kind of like not in a bad way but just like oh that's oh that's a baby. child that's a child that's a child oh yeah <laughs> And that, that was the real, that's a sensation that I will never forget. Like I can, I forgot a lot of the other things, but that is like a physical, that's a memory like in my body of how that felt. And were you I, feeling the urge to push or not? I was, but I think I got somewhat overlaid with this anxiety and this stress of being encouraged to push. And I know that we had talked in your class about how this is something that they're trying to maybe do less of, but certainly they were, if this was a sort of old school approach, then the nurse was sort of an old school kind of person. And she definitely was like, this is how it is done. This is how it is always done. And she was not really willing to hear me. And I, I think I 
said, like, can you not count? Can you let me? Because the counting was difficult. The counting had it nothing to do with it. It makes it confusing, right? Yeah, it the, made the counting it so had confusing. nothing to do with your rhythm and your yeah. breathing. Yeah. She was in her own head and it was yeah. just like. That is the one part that I think I found, like, of the whole experience that I was like, I would ask them to change or have, to, I would want to have done differently, was that I just, I felt kind of yelled at and I felt yeah. stressed because I, and I, like I said, I didn't understand what they were asking me to do between my brain and my brain and my body were like yeah. not in sync. And especially sense. after all of this kind of the way that I reminded me of that, like the way I was moving before I got in the bed, yeah. which was very much, it was totally instinctive. I'm like, I don't know why I need to put my leg up the wall here, but I do. And it was just like, that was how I had to yep. move. And it was completely instinctive. And then I was in the bed and I'm glad, I was glad to be in the bed, to be honest. It wasn't that I wanted to be crouching or, cause I had been, I hadn't been in the bed at all up until that point. And when I finally lay down, I was tired. And I understand obviously that's the crunch time. Like that is the crucial moment. You really do have to present <laughs> on it, but it was definitely pressure that I, it didn't feel natural but honestly the whole thing like the pushing really didn't feel like I tore quite badly and I think that was part of it like I don't know if there was a way that I could have prepared differently for that but it definitely was like I needed to be I was pushing against something I was pushing through something that was not fully yeah. letting him out and that was the part I think the worst honestly the worst pain that I really remember very vividly was being sewn up that was the part that was really and the, and the, what is the drug that they give you? Numbing? Um, Lidocaine? No, the, no, the, the drug that is supposed to, Pitocin. They gave me Pitocin to sort to of. To help your uterus to. Help, it, help the uterus kind of, yeah, Start yeah, to contract yeah. and shrink, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was a drip as well, which I, and I, I was asked to be taken off it after yeah. a little while, and they did, because it was, I just hated having the, it was painful and. Yeah. Like, is this necessary? Is this necessary? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, actually, it's fine. We could take it out. Yeah. Because that yeah, was because you had an unmedicated birth. So yeah. it remains to be proven whether that Pitocin, that standard Pitocin for the third stage of labor is actually evidence based. Yeah. yeah. And like they mentioned that in the room, like they were like, yeah. we're not, we're, there's no, there's no proof that this was helpful. So, if, it, so if, it, on, if it's bothering you, we can stop. I think I refused it early yeah. on. I said, I didn't. Yeah. Want yeah. We anything. did. We, yeah, we, we did refuse. refuse it. And then I think later on that nurse gave it to me without asking. And then I asked to ta- be taken off it yeah. later. We didn't. Um, yeah. You didn't argue too hard against it, but then, but then but it definitely didn't make me feel good. It, it was unpleasant. So I can remember that immediate aftermath where I was being sewn up and Felix because he was small and so they gave him to me immediately while right. and you cut the cord. Didn't I cut you? the cord. Yeah. They, let- they waited like two or three minutes for the blood to stop coming through and all of yeah. that. But they did the, they did the waiting, which was good. Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and then had that, you and then, specifically requested that? No, they just, they she just was just like, she basically handed you the scissors. Well, no, but, no, but basically what happened was that they, she waited, oh. she was like, this is fine. She had a bunch of other stuff to do. And she was like, there's no rush. There's no rush on this oh. whenever you're ready. And it was fine. And it wound up being about, I don't know, it wasn't five minutes, but it was certainly yeah, more than three, maybe minutes. three or four minutes. And then she was like, she, she kind of checked it to see like nothing was coming through it. She's like, it's fine now. You can go. So she was on the same page with that. And the setup was good. Yeah, that was all good. We didn't. Yeah, there were a lot of things that I think in the class we had sort of mentally registered as things we might have to ask for or advocate for, or push for that were actually offered. So for the most part, it was less. I wasn't like gearing up for a fight, but there was a little bit of me that was like, I'm going to have to. And yeah. that's because we have so yeah. many care providers in the city exactly. and such a broad array of practices that yeah. I yeah. just have to teach in that way. But that's and wonderful it was, no, that it, you didn't have to do so much advocacy. Yeah. 
absolutely. Yeah. We didn't, but it was also with different people. Like I was saying, this this nurse that we had who was older, who was definitely kind of very traditional and like Yeah, if she'd taken a more proactive role in, in all of this, yeah. We would have had to advocate like that for her. Yeah, but, she for, was for a us. lot more um cautious, I think. And the our doctor was wonderful and she was very yeah. relaxed and and was also very down with the idea of not having interventions. Like she didn't push me towards the the epidural or any of the yeah, other. she was fine. I don't even remember being offered the epidural. No, uh, I, no, it, it did come up. There was a conversation it? about yeah. it. Yeah, it, it was one of the, like there was a discussion about it, and we're like, we'd like to hold off if we could. Yeah, I remember having that conversation with her, and she's like, okay, that can go either way. Sure, that's fine. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then at a certain point, like a little yeah. later on, I think actually the other nurse said, "Well, we should do the epidural," and Doctor yeah. Brown was like, "Oh, it's too late now." That's yeah. right. And that, and yeah. Forget it. Forget it. Don't even think yeah. of it. It's, we've passed that line. So forget it. We're just going to go on. And in a way that was good. It was like, I was able to make the decision for myself when I felt very able to make it because I felt yep. like I was still fine. I was like, no, this is fine. I can handle this. And then to sort of have the decision taken out of my hands later, I don't think she was lying. I'm sure it was too late, but it was like, oh, I was like, okay, well, it's too late now. Oh, well. But also I felt like that means it's nearly over. I think that was also helpful knowing that that third stage was short and having a sense of like this can't actually go on like this really intense phase isn't going to last for like five hours i don't have yeah. to hold on for that i have yeah like every every segment of this yeah. was a little shorter than the segment that came before and realizing that that was how it was going to fall made it a lot easier to deal with it's like okay this is intense this mm. this bit sucks but it's okay it's going to end and yeah. yeah it seemed like it shifted normally up through all the gears until he was out and I'm thinking about the timing. You were there, I believe, when there was a shift change, right? So you, you had mentioned Dr. Brown earlier was there yes. for yes. part of the labor. Did you end up having Dr. Khan for the birth? Of no, Felix? Dr. Brown was there for the entire time. I was wondering if you'd like to observe, comment on the emotional aspect of meeting your son for either of you who would like to share. I think at the beginning, it's this kind of, this moment of just sheer kind of like the, the strangeness of there was there's another being in the room is, yeah. is unimaginably strange for a while. It is, it's just weird to have, there was two people here and now there's three people here. Like, yeah. like it's just weird. And, and honestly, that feeling has not gone away <laughs> right. from that day to yeah. this. That, just to look at him and go like, we just, just we just made, made you. We made up a name. We could have called you anything. We, we think about that all the time. Like yeah. we, we talk about that. We yeah. just made a person. <laughs> I know. It was they let you do that? Bizarre, right? It really is bizarre. I think also for me, it was that that transition for like, I'm not pregnant anymore. I'm, and that thing that had sort of come to be so defining and like at the forefront of my mind. It's like, oh, it's just back to just being me now. And this thing, I felt very, it was a sense of, pride but also just kind of like I was really amazed I was like I grew you in my body and then I squeezed you out of my body and (laughs) and now you're here and that was just a really kind of I felt very kind of like very powerful in that moment I think it was taken over a little bit by worry because he was small and that that that's the point where we sort of were like okay now it matters that he was early and we have to get him checked. And so he, make sure after he was, okay, he was yes. on me. Um, they handed him to me. They handed him to you. And then they put him in the, there was like a heated. Yeah. They, they handed him to me. To they handed him to me while they were fixing you up. They, and they just yeah. basically gave me a, gave me a thing of formula and said, feed him. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, sure. And yeah. he, and he took to it immediately. And I remember being really relieved that he knew how to suck on a nipple. Literally, I just got it close to his mouth and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, that, that I want that. And drained like half a bottle of formula right out. He was five pounds, 14 ounces at birth. 
That's and my birth weight and my mother's birth weight. There you go. 514. <laughs> there you go. It's a good number. That's there good. Go. Yes. So it seems to have worked out for him. He, he certainly was small, but, it, you know, we kind of I'm like, okay, fine. He's small. That's fine. We'll deal with it. But yeah, I remember him feeding okay. And then we put him in the heat under the heat lamps. I remember, so they did all the tests. They did all the tests and all of everything, everything else yeah. and, and the weighing and everything. And it was all fine. It was as good as it is. I was really yeah, and you were anxious at that point because I was still being sewn up. Yeah, and I remember moving between him and you. And I you know, kept saying every time you came over to me, I was like, please go over there and I want you to hold him. I want you to touch him because I couldn't see yeah. him or touch him. So I was just- I was doing, I was doing my... plenty of that. I was doing- No, I, I, knew was, I knew you were rationally, but like emotionally, I was just, I, I need one of us to like hold on, to have sight of him at all times. That in my mind, that, that was only a few minutes, I'm sure, but it feels like a really long time that I was being physically held at the other side of the room, having mm-hmm. to be sewn up. And while Tony was over there and I was like, I, I felt very far away from, from Felix at that point. You were. Yeah. Looking back, I'm like, <laughs> I'm not really sure. I mean, obviously they had to do the test. I'm not really sure why they didn't, like, why I couldn't have held him while that was happening, but, but I didn't really think to. They put the, they put the heart monitor on him and they yeah, put all yeah. sorts of other stuff on him and they were just like to make sure that, and just, they needed him to kind of calm down His after the birth. glucose levels they had to check. And that was they had to what check all those other about. things. And they had to make sure that, and yeah. I remember the nurse was like, he's got to go to the NICU because he, he's premature. So so they brought in, and they brought in the, the NICU. Pediatrician. Pediatrician. Yes. That's right. We hadn't chosen a pediatrician. So we had to use, we used the hospital pediatrician to register the birth and everything. She came in and She came in him. and looked at him and was like, he's breathing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. His, his heart rate's regular? Yeah. Then my work is done here. Don't bring him in. Yeah, don't bring him into the NICU. It's fine. Yeah. He's fine. Like she didn't even touch him. She she looked at his chart and was like, "What are you asking yeah. me for?" And this well, is was, he's fine. She came in twice, right? Because she came in once to test him, and then the nurse, this anxious nurse, came in and and, and she like, she called her back in. And, and the second time, actually, the pediatrician was was kind of short with the nurse. It was like, "This baby is fine. Give him to his mother." Because she was Yay. holding him over in, in the the heated. Yeah bassinet and kind of was fussing over him and i i guess understandably because he was early and they still would i get it but like he got out and he was fine he was calm but then they then they gave finally gave him back to me and that's when he cried a little bit and like but like he he cried at birth apparently babies do that once he kind of calmed down he had a little bit of formula they put him down in the heated bassinet and he just kind of relaxed he was like okay okay like he didn't his eyes weren't even open yet but i was Mm -hmm. touching him and holding him and talking to him and being like okay welcome to earth whatever it is you say to a child and and then he was fine (laughs) and he kind of relaxed and i think he may have even gone to sleep like i don't i wasn't sure he just yeah but he just relaxed and he was like okay okay this is fine i'm on a stable surface everything is fine i'm warm it's okay and he was fine and then they moved us into the post-birth room which was a shared room which was fine and so i was there for two days and that was hard i think that the postpartum first couple of days were really harder than the birth in some ways not in intensity but just in terms of like this long period of time of i felt i actually felt very alone even though you were there a lot of the time like you went home to sleep and you went home to get me clothes and stuff and bring the things we never packed but I remember feeling very it was a strange space it was this small room with curtains around it there's like a pattern on the curtain that I think both of us will remember till our dying day (laughs) staring at it and it was partly like my roommate her baby cried a lot and she was upset and she had a lot of family coming in and out like this is also a very pre-pandemic thing tons of people constantly coming moving in and out with Felix and I was trying to feed him which was actually okay Hey, they had a breastfeeding consultant come and see me, which 
felt good and helped me out with the expressing the colostrum and he t- and I gave him that with a spoon like they kind of had you collect it with a little spoon and then give it to him was he um, not able to latch at that point he was having a little bit of trouble I mean I think it was also partly because he was a little bit small and so yeah. people were worried about him not eating enough he was having a little trouble latching and then they brought me a breast pump one of those sort of mechanical those plug-in ones no the, the pumping and the pumping was fine I got used to it but I had them take him away to the nursery overnight which I'm really glad I did because I got to sleep it was nice to just have a few hours of not having the responsibility which was definitely I think necessary you needed to get your feet under you as well they took him away and then they brought him back and he was all clean and changed and fed and I didn't have to do any of it and then then when he brought him back to me it was like well diapers are your responsibility the wrapping the swaddling the everything else the feeding he slept a lot but yeah that was I definitely remember that period in the hospital is just feeling very sort of tight this feels like it was endless time and they would bring meals at times that were completely that felt Felt very unpredictable. I'm like, it's like 11 a.m. Why are you bringing me lunch and it's like fish or something? I was like, I really don't want that. But I, I have to Before eat it. Noon. <laughs> yeah, it was just like a weird, you know, the timing was odd or so, whatever. So it just, it was a relief to get out of there and home, although also terrifying. But yeah, yeah, did you have that very daunting feeling as you left with your baby as they sent you? Well, they were just like, it's time to go now. And uh, here, take, well, it was, take yeah, the diapers, we take the receiving very... blankets uh, that are here and just, yeah. you can go now. The, the three of you can go now. And yeah. I remember that being a really weird moment. We like, had him in the car seat. We signed him out. Yeah. They gave us the copies of his birth certificate and the hospital records and everything. Yeah, there was like a couple and it was just of like, paperwork that took ages. And I was like, come on. Yes. But then they just said, go. Yeah. And this is we your child like, now. Get out of here. Go go to the <laughs> go to the pediatrician within a couple of days and, and yeah. everything. And it, Best of luck, you know. Yeah. So we got him and yeah, so then and it was get, raining. I remember it raining. It was right? raining. And so we had to kind of we called a cab and then we had to or we you just like hailed a cab. I hailed a cab, yeah. And so we got down the steps and into this cab and the, and the driver's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and you strapped him in and I had him in the back. I was in the back of the cab, like with my arms that like, clamped over the car seat and you were in the front and the- Making small talk. Yeah, the guy, the guy, and the guy, so and the guy he's like, you know, he had three kids. He was talking- He's like, I know, the, I know the drill. This yeah. is exciting, but yeah, you know, this was, is cool. Congratulations. It's all good. Um, yeah. I've done this a million times. It's yeah. really okay. Yeah. I remember actually it was daunting in some way, but I actually remember that feeling really nice to feel free of the hospital and free of that little tiny room. And Mm -hmm. because when I was able to get on my feet, we could walk around the hospitals up high and we were on the 14th floor or something. So these incredible views out of the window out across Manhattan. So we'd wheel him in his little bassinet up to the window and Tony showed him Manhattan. And he's like, yes. You know, here's where you were born. I remember that being really nice, but they were, they kind of didn't like us going. You said you weren't allowed to take him. Yes. Anywhere, right? I was not allowed to go, yeah. Like I had to be with you, obviously. Yeah, because he was attached to you. He wasn't attached to me. Yeah, there was like an alarm. I'm literally just some guy. Yeah. <laughs> you were the mother, but I'm just yes. some schmo. Yeah. It was okay. I, was like, I, I understood. Okay. I was like, because what I really wanted was to lie in bed while Tony took him out. Do whatever. I'll just like lie. Well, down. once we got home, that happened. Mm. But yes. There was a there was a lot of that. There's been a lot of that yeah. honestly mm. since. Yeah. And yeah, we got home and and so we were so lucky. He was born on February 27th 
in the morning. And so we had, and because he was due in March, my mom and stepdad had booked to come out and visit us from London in right. April, uh, which at that point, you know, when he would be a month old. And so, but then that just felt so far away. So she was like, okay, we'll come over for like three <laughs> days and we'll stay in a hotel near you and we'll be there. Yeah. So they did that. Which, that was a good thing they as did. As it turns out, was amazing. So it meant that, they like, literally, yeah, they, fl- they flew back two days before the shutdown. Oh, like on the yeah, they like, yeah. London here. lockdown. Oh my goodness. Yeah, London lockdown, yeah. Yeah, like they closed the borders, basically, the London lockdown, basically the day they got back. And mm. at that point, we were like, oh, it'll, you know, by the time late April, that's two months away, you'll be yeah. fine. My dad turned 75 last summer, and we were like, well, we were planning to go to Montreal. He to he, he, he would have been yeah. four or five months old at that point, and we, would, we were thinking, yeah. okay, sure, let's just do that. And it quickly became clear that, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's not happening. Happening. And then, yes. Yeah. So we had, yeah, we had a week of friends coming in and bringing us sandwiches and bringing us food yep. and that real immediate newborn moment where it's oddly kind of nice and social and he's sleeping all the time and it's you don't really have much yeah. he doesn't mind do. being passed around it's like it's a, yeah it's like, oh, and, and you oh, kind well, of all right fine yeah. everything is so weird no one's expecting anything from you so it's kind of nice and when my mom was here we were able to like we went out for dinner we all just went out because he was asleep and then we took him out the little yep in the stroller and the bassinet and he just slept through dinner. <laughs> it's great. So then that all fell away after two weeks and he was like, oh, I'm awake now. <laughs> yes, they wake up right around then. <laughs> they wake up and everything else went away. The city went away. Like mm, the world, kind the world of went away. So then we were really in it. So. Yep. But before that, I just want to no. mention that I've had students who've given birth before they finished their birth class, but I have never had until you someone come back and share their birth story with yes. their birth class cohort oh, before yeah, that was, the graduation. That was funny. That yeah. was so much fun. I'm so glad. I kind of can't believe that we did that. We got a cab either. up to a place in a, and we, we were like, yeah, this would be fun and we'll show and tell. It's all, it's yeah, that's all right. true. That's right. <laughs> Everything she's saying is true. No, it was really nice. And we were able to, I think it was, was that the last class or the, the penultimate? Second last one, the, the second last one, yeah. one, I think. Um, yeah, it was either five or six, next to last or last class. Yeah. yeah. And which. so we, yeah, that was great. And so we were able to come in with Felix at that point, who was still just asleep the whole time. And yeah, yeah he, and you, he. Yeah, you told most of some of this yes, story. Yes, some version of this story. And we yeah. talked about, yeah, the parts of it, the breathing yeah. exercises and the, you know, your recommendation of the, of the Hakka thing to help. Oh, yeah. Help, uh, oh express. yeah, that was a massive help. Yes, we, we for the first um, few months that was that the was the day it. we got back. I think I remember we realized we needed all the stuff we didn't have, and uh, including that, and we wanted to get some bottles and uh, lots yeah. of things that we just sort of abandoned after a while. But at the beginning, we kind of thought, "I'll you know, I'll pump, and Tony will be able to feed him at night." And we did that for a little while, and yeah. then but we just placed this massive order at Target, and Tony took a cab up the old. Who, yeah, you went up to the subway up to the nearest Target and just like picked up yeah. all of this stuff. And <laughs> yeah, we didn't have we had so much we didn't have. We didn't have anywhere for him to sleep initially, did we? We had the bassinet. Yeah, we had the travel stroller. bassinet, the, yeah, the stroller had, bassinet, which is where he slept for a good long time. Though. Yeah, that was where he slept, and it was fine. But we had we had a ring sling that Tony wore a lot, and Felix would sleep in there. Um, yeah, uh, when he had problems sleeping, that was often a thing where I would just. Yeah. You'd be sitting at your desk working with this baby sort of slung it was on really you. Nice. That's where they want to be. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's like so it's biologically fun. appropriate and it's yeah. for you because you're hands-free. Yeah. It's yeah. great. I was pretty lucky with breastfeeding. I didn't have any serious problems. I've always I always had a very so funny nice to hear. Yeah. I had an uneven distribution. I yeah. 
my left breast was always less, <laughs> just didn't produce as much. And yep. yeah, now I'm feeding him. I'm still feeding him in mo- morning and evening. And at some point that will end. But for right now, I'm just doing that. And that's only ever on one side. And mm-hmm. our doctor said that the pediatrician was like, that's fine. You know, he can manage on one. He never liked formula. No, we never gave him formula. We didn't really give him any after the... Really, in his life, he has consumed a grand total of, I think, two bottles of formula. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, one of them at the moment of his birth. Right at birth. One after that. Yeah. I was wondering if, was his blood sugar low? I, you said they tested that. Yeah. And I was wondering if that was why they so soon after birth wanted to do formula. Yeah, I think it was probably that. I think the glucose levels were definitely something they they were monitoring. I actually think he wasn't, I think again, it was that the nurse who was overly Yeah, cautious, they didn't, they didn't, there, there wasn't a reason behind I think he formula right away. Like, they were just like, here, you know, give him was, something to focus on. I think it may have been as much that as He was else. sort of on the bubble. Like he was sort of at the, wherever they draw the line, he was kind of at the line. And so they monitored him more closely than they might otherwise have. And the same thing with jaundice that was something that they were concerned about and he was a little he's a little yellow yeah he had a little bit of jaundice but again he was kind of right at the cutoff and when we took him to the pediatrician that was also still a thing that she was monitoring and he sort of had to make the cutoff before they would decide whether he needed to go in and have treatment and he again just kind of made the cutoff so he was fine they were mostly concerned i think about his weight because obviously once he dropped that extra birth weight was down when he left the hospital. Five, six or five, seven? Five, six, five, seven, something like At that. Birth coming home. That's where Yeah. Was. So he was definitely starting to be cunning. Yeah, he, was, was he was small and and he was he had this little skinny chicken legs. Yeah. But he never didn't have an appetite. He was always hungry. So, yeah. so clearly it was all right. He, and he was feeding. He, and, he picked it up. And he fed. And he, he sorted out the latching. That was pretty quick. He figured that out fairly. He figured that out pretty fast. Great. And if no pressure on this at all, but if you would like for me to share your websites on the work that you do, if people would like to check out your books, Joanna, or your quiz, virtual quiz. Um, sure. Parties? I don't know what you call those, Tony. <laughs> that's that's really what they are. I, I don't think there's a terminology for them yet. Everyone's still coming up with these things, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of private parties and a lot of corporate sure, functions yeah. and stuff from this chair. And uh, my company is GameNightTrivia.com. Game Night Trivia. I've been spending a lot of time building out uh, shooting video. So I've got a vlog as well under my name, Tony Hightower. So, and I'm shooting like Jeopardy videos and that sort of thing <laughs> and, and, and some other things. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm working on my second book. I write about feminist cultural history I guess you could say and so I'm working on my second book but and I also write for magazines and newspapers and things so I'm Joanna Scutts S-C-U-T-T-S and so I everything I do is at joannascutts.com and that's you can find my books you can buy my books I'll help us pay for a daycare <laughs> my book so far <laughs> Yes, We're the second one is not, you're not quite ready. Second one's coming out. Yeah, second one's coming out next. Probably summer. a year from now. Yeah, a year from mm-hmm. now. So, yeah, exciting. Well, as we wrap things up, is there anything else that you haven't gotten to share that you wanted to share, and or any tips or special insights you'd like to share with folks on similar journeys, expectant parents or new parents? I think that yeah, we learned we learned a lot from you. I yeah, we feel really like were we, yeah. we've said to each other that there's a huge range of normal constantly when it <laughs> comes to babies. That is true with babies as it is uh, with pregnancy. I feel like every now and again, there's a few things we did. There's a lot of things you do wrong. There's a few things we did right. We got a diaper subscription, which has made life much easier from, from honest. That's just like a month every six weeks or so. Like That's been, a, yeah. That 
was one of those things where like that works it's great comes on schedule and they and they kept it going through the pandemic yeah i'd say just know that it's going to be all right you yeah. just do what you're doing and trust your instincts your instincts are actually really really good a you baby know. can't cry forever yeah that's a very important thing something i had to tell myself a lot he will stop crying yes. even when you're in the middle of it and you think it's never going to end yeah. He cannot cry forever. And also super long crying jags. Just look at the clock. Watch yeah. the clock. It's It feels like he's been crying for six hours and you look down and it's been like four minutes. That yeah. happens a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds awful, mm -hmm. but it's, he's just getting it out. Once he learns words, he'll cry less. Trust that you know what you're doing and kind of have a sense of what kind of person you want the child to grow up to be. And you can start steering things toward making the child kind of look at that as an ideal. You can do that from the jump, from the very beginning. You know, even before they understand their own personhood, you can kind of say, I want them to be a, a kind and generous person. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. Then you can just set yourself a prime directive to use the Star Trek term. <laughs> Ours has always been to be kind and stay curious. Mm -hmm. you know, that's what no, we want I the child this. to be. So we're just like, okay, that's fine. And so we're just leaning everything on that. And whenever we're stuck as to what to do, that's kind of a nice North Star to follow. And to have something like that, regardless of what it is, it really makes things a lot easier. And then after that, just trust that you know what you're doing. The more you trust yourself, the better off you're going to be. I think that's really what it is. Mm -hmm. The moments where things have gone wrong are the moments of anxiety or the moments yeah. where we've overextended ourselves. Yeah. And that's when things have gone slightly haywire. And when we've got a sense of what we want to do, then that's when things have gone well. That was true through the pregnancy. That was true through the birth. Certainly in the birthing room, that was mm -hmm. our instincts were like, well, okay, here's what we want. Yeah. Okay, let's just let's just follow that. Even if we don't know the specifics of what's being asked, as long as it does this, then we're fine. And and certainly ever since then in the yeah. 13 months we've been lucky they've got a relatively easygoing kid who all his senses work and he's got what he needs to get started but certainly when we've been in doubt just trust what we know and, yeah. and trust that we're going to be able to you know anything we don't know we can work out and that's been our guiding light yeah i think that's yeah trust yourself for sure um ask for help yeah, don't be when afraid to ask for help. You know, I think we sometimes trusting yourself means knowing what you don't know. Yes, <laughs> and people have been through it, and you know, you know who you want to trust. You know, you know who they ask you. If, you know, the friends who you're close to, whose kids seem like great kids. You know, those are the friends who you want to turn to. Like, you don't need to ask everybody. You don't need to ask the internet yes. at large. Like, right. you only yeah. need to choose the advice you take. Right. Yeah, and people. Yes, exactly. And I think I really think yeah, choosing your mentors, and you can hear, you can listen to a lot. People will tell you a lot. And you can listen and nod and discard mm -hmm. as you need to. And every now and again, someone will tell you something absolutely yep. vital that you take to heart and that you say to yourself over and over. And it's, you can't really prepare for that. You don't know what that's going to be, but yeah, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's it really. And take lots of notes, take lots of pictures. I'm already noticing how fast it's going. Yeah. Really, right? Yeah. The good parts don't last. The bad parts don't last. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's always more. Yeah. Just chronicle what you can. Well, thank yeah. you so much to both thank of you. you. It's been so nice to reconnect yeah. after I'm glad. over a yeah. year since I saw you last. Yeah, no, yeah. This, yeah. I feel like our time together last year was kind of intense and a bit truncated. So I'm really <laughs> glad that we're able to put a proper bow yeah. on our time. I, I'm really, yeah. And yeah. really, you were super helpful. Really, you really. Know, there was so much that were, we learned that yeah. we used, like that we had, that was so fresh in our minds, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> 
but like the pain relief techniques and I think it gave Tony confidence and in me confidence in his abilities and him confidence in his abilities that I think we knew that that meant that we didn't have to think about hiring somebody else yeah, like, bringing somebody yeah. else in I wasn't freaking out about oh my yeah. goodness I guess I'm the doula now that wasn't such a horrifying thought as it might have been otherwise yeah without that class those classes I think you would have been well really, things you would have been reading the internet frantically yeah I've been like sitting there with my phone and being like okay do this now try yeah. this there would have been a lot of that and it wouldn't but, have gone it wouldn't have gone as but smoothly. you had you know you having practiced the massage and everything right. that you had practiced it was really yeah. we used that in the, the massage was was yeah that would those techniques were we use those yeah yeah for sure yeah. all right well thanks again hope to see thank you before you. long all, all right, right. Okay. Bye. thank you ciao Bye. Before we close things out today, I'd like to touch on a few things. The range of normal for dilation before you're in labor, nitrous oxide for pain relief, or gas and air, as Joanna mentioned it's called in England, premature baby's ability to suck for feeding, a clarification on newborn weight loss, your rights with regard to the medical staff supporting you, and a benefit of choosing a childbirth educator who has an on-demand version of their course in a scenario like you heard today. I know it sounds like a lot, but we're going to cover it all in about eight minutes. First, the range of normal for dilation before you're in labor. Usually most people will be anywhere from zero up to three centimeters dilated before going into labor. However, it can occasionally happen that someone might be up to four or five centimeters dilated and not be noticing any regular contractions. This does not necessarily constitute an emergency or even a necessity to check into the hospital, even though some care providers, as you heard today, would go ahead and admit someone if they're that dilated. So I just wanted you to know that if you prefer to go home to labor for a while, that's something you could consider with the knowledge that some people, even though less common, can be four or five centimeters for several days before they meet their baby. As I always say, huge range of normal. Joanna mentioned nitrous oxide. Even though she didn't end up using it, I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about it a little bit. This is a form of pain medication that seems to be the least invasive and carry the least risk for the birthing person and baby. It's an option that quite a few years ago was more readily available here in the U.S., but then as the epidural got more and more popular and also started making hospitals much more money, it stopped being offered as widely. In the past few years, probably thanks to social media, as pregnant folks heard about how fond many birth givers are of this option over in Europe, expectant parents started to make their requests known to their care providers in our New York area so that nitrous oxide has started to pop up in several of our local birthplaces, several hospitals, as well as birthing centers. Quick side note reminder, making your preferences heard to your care provider is how we can affect change for the better. Anyway, nitrous oxide used for labor is similar to, but much less concentrated than laughing gas used in dental procedures. It's 50% nitrous and 50% oxygen. The birthing person holds the mask to their face to get some relief just before and then during a contraction, and then removes the mask and lets it exit their system in the breaks in between. It must be self-administered, meaning no other labor support person can hold it on the birthing person's face. That's largely how they know that the person is doing okay with it. Also, something that our local hospitals have needed to get strict on enforcing is that partners may not use it on themselves. 
So partners who are listening, do not use it for yourself or else it will be taken away and your birthing beloved will be very unhappy with you. Nitrous is not numbing anything, but is altering the birthing person's consciousness in a way that for many people, it can take the edge off the intensity in a helpful way. It is more helpful for some people than others and is less likely to be very helpful when the birthing process gets to its greatest intensity. One clear benefit of nitrous as compared to other pain medications is that it shouldn't restrict a person to the bed, although policies on this point may vary from birthplace to birthplace. Here in New York, where it has been used, people are able to labor out of the bed, which is a real benefit toward helping promote labor progress. With this form of pain medication, oxygen levels need to be closely monitored. Common side effects are nausea, vomiting, dizziness, drowsiness, and the possibility of a vitamin B12 deficiency for both parent and baby if nitrous is used for a long time. I haven't been able to find any range of what is meant by long time, so I just recommend that if someone uses this medication to have B12 levels checked out both on the parent and the baby after birth at some point to be sure there's not a deficiency that needs to be corrected particularly because vitamin B deficiency can be a risk factor for postpartum depression. One COVID note about nitrous, early in the pandemic, ACOG recommended it stopped being used temporarily due to concerns about the way the virus aerosolizes. At the time this is being recorded in March of 2022, most of the places here in New York City that had been offering nitrous don't seem to really be using it again yet. Some of them are starting to say it can be used once a person gets a negative COVID test, but based on feedback I'm hearing from clients and doula colleagues, it seems like it's not actually being used much in reality yet. Hopefully this will change as the state of things continues to improve, as many people would still like this option. A quick thing I wanted to note about babies born prior to 37 weeks is that often they experience sucking challenges. This would be an example whereby a lactating parent might need to pump if they're hoping to body feed because if a baby doesn't have an adequate suck reflex yet, they won't be able to properly stimulate the breast to produce milk. This is one of many examples whereby having the support of a lactation consultant can be immensely useful. Another feeding-related topic I wanted to briefly mention because I have talked about it in the past on the show is the threshold for newborn weight loss. There's a nuance I don't think I clearly communicated in the past. It's normal for a person who has not had an IV and has only been drinking to thirst for their baby to lose up to 7% from their birth weight and only would need to supplement with donor milk or formula if they pass that 7% threshold. However, when a person has had the standard amount of IV fluids in labor, the evidence-based threshold because someone has gotten a lot more fluid than they would have otherwise consumed by drinking to thirst is 10%. This is helpful for birthing people to know because many hospital nurses will say supplementation is necessary for all babies if they pass the 7% threshold. This is not evidence-based when someone has had IV fluids, so this is one of many examples you've heard here on the podcast whereby some advocacy for your baby might come in handy if you don't want to necessarily rush to supplement. It's totally up to you and your preferences, but I think just good to know. You heard Joanna and Tony share how there was a nurse who was not all too helpful in the pushing stage. 
That was likely a very challenging time to do what I'm about to describe. But just for your knowledge, if at any point in your labor you are not feeling good about the care you're receiving from a nurse, OB, midwife, or other hospital staff member who's serving you, your partner or doula could discreetly go out to the nurse's station and ask for a swap out. Here in New York State, we have something called the Patient Bill of Rights, which explicitly lays out that this is a right every patient in the medical system has. Most states in the U.S. have some version of this. I'm linking to this in the show notes for this episode, episode 79. Really good to know your rights, and of course we go over some of this in birth class too. One last thing I wanted to mention is that Joanna and Tony's story is a prime example of when it's a great idea for you to choose a consumer-based, independent childbirth educator who offers not only live classes, but also an on-demand version of their curriculum. When Joanna and Tony didn't get to finish the live group class series, I was able to send them the parts that they missed, which in their case were the afterbirth lessons. They could go through any or all of the lessons in their own time if they chose to. The Birth Matters online self-paced course has also been a great option in cases whereby someone has registered for class and is unable to come to class for other reasons such as bed rest or being admitted to the hospital. Otherwise, if a childbirth educator doesn't have a virtual or on-demand option, the person or couple would just end up missing out on important pieces of education. Not that these scenarios are common, of course, because they're not at all common, but today's story drives home this potential benefit. As I mentioned at the top of today's episode, in observation of both Cesarean Awareness Month and Black Maternal Health Week, the next two weeks' birth stories will be positive stories of scheduled cesareans, also known as belly births, and next week's story will be shared by a Black mom named Amber. Here's a sneak peek of Amber's story. I was terrified of a C-section. It was planned. I got to choose the day she would be born. I knew what time she would be born. And that felt really comforting, but it's major surgery. Mm -hmm. I was really concerned that I wouldn't survive. I am a black woman in America. The numbers are not in my favor. Mm -hmm. So on top of just regular fear, I had that to contend with. And I think that's another reason why it's so important to surround yourself with providers, with doulas, with whomever to bring you peace and comfort through this process. Mm. Whether it's through a, you know, a birthing class or you hire a doula or you do both, or you have a midwife or a provider that you really love, you have to trust the people around you Mm. and they have to be putting goodness into you. This week, ponder the fact that babies will come whenever they're ready, sometimes much earlier than expected, other times later. Thanks so much for listening today to the Birth Matters podcast. I look forward to connecting with you again next week. 